Echo's been kind of a game changer. It's designed to be a game changer for uh, respiratory distress, um, also known as ARDS, acute respiratory distress syndrome, which we're experiencing here with the coronavirus. Uh, going a, a little bit into the coronavirus and what it causes uh, for the patient is basically it's like the worst pneumonia you ever had in the in the respect that you know you you build up that fluid in your lungs and uh, all of a sudden you can't absorb oxygen you can't exit co2 your lungs are non-functioning what they're uh, what they're realizing with ventilators and all that is they're actually causing some damage uh to the lungs so myself and my team looked at this uh we had several doctors that were uh working with us on a couple of the projects <clears throat> and they they explained to us you know what their challenges were and I asked him, you know, why aren't you using uh, ECMO? Thanks for stopping by the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast. I'm the host of the show, Sean Dustin. If this is your first time listening, welcome. If you're returning, welcome back. It's good to have you with us today. If you would like to support the show, please subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast platform. If I'm not currently available on a platform you listen to, let me know and I will make sure that I get there. I have merchandise available now, hoodies, t-shirts, mugs, and other items, this is another way you can help support the show. The show will get a portion of the proceeds to help keep the lights on around here. You can find direct links to iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, merchandise, and anywhere else we are online at the bottom of the show notes. Go to the Linktree link, and that will take you to all the ways to connect with the show. Today, my guest is Jake Cusdy. Jake is an inventor that reached out to me online to ask if I could help him spread the word and info about a game-changing approach to treating patients that are infected with COVID-19 virus. It has to do with a product called ECHO, or Extracorporeal Hybrid Oxygenation. ECHO breathes oxygen directly into the blood, taking the pressure off of the lungs to allow healing. And I'm no medical expert or inventor of medical products, so I'm going to let Jake explain this to you. Go ahead, Jake. Yeah, Echo's, uh, Echo's been kind of a game changer. It's designed to be a game changer for uh, respiratory distress, um, also known as ARDS, acute respiratory distress syndrome, which we're experiencing here with the coronavirus. Uh, going a, a little bit into the coronavirus and what it causes uh, for the patient is basically it's like the worst pneumonia you ever had in the in the respect that you know, you you build up that fluid in your lungs and uh, all of a sudden you can't absorb oxygen, you can't exit CO2, your lungs are non-functioning. What, uh, what they're realizing with ventilators and all that is they're actually causing some damage uh, to the lungs. So myself and my team looked at this. Uh, we had several doctors that were uh, working with us on a couple of the projects. <clears throat> And they they explained to us, you know, what their challenges were. And I asked them, you know, why aren't you using uh, ECMO, which is extracorporeal membrane oxygenation. It's uh, also known as kind of a heart and lung machine. This, uh, this technology has been 
around for you know many many decades. So uh, one of the doctors on our team, Dr. Carl Kaufman, you know mentioned that they they are using it as as they can, but it's just widely unavailable. Uh, there's less than 300 of these machines in the United States, so it's not uh, a realistic a realistic solution or therapy for the number of uh, coronavirus patients that we're seeing. So with that, I uh, went back to the went back to the office and started putting stuff up on the whiteboard to try to build a solution for a respiratory therapy that fit within the envelope available to us during this pandemic. And uh, within that criteria, you know, we put on there, you know, supply chain management, knowing that our manufacturers are going to be stressed, and you know, supplies are going to be in high demand for anything respiratory related. So we wanted to design this within what was available at the hospitals already or easy for them to get. Um, so with that, we started looking at existing machines that we could retrofit that a hospital would naturally have and not be in high demand during this pandemic. Um, going forward from there, we also wanted to make sure it was cost effective uh, with the projections that they gave us early on. You know, they were projecting, you know, a couple of million deaths up to a couple million deaths in the United States alone. So we wanted to make sure that this was cost effective. So it was a more realistic treatment to the pandemic. Uh, moving forward from there, we, uh, we wanted to make sure it was an absolute, you know, viruses and the way that our bodies react uh, to those viruses. It's, it's basically uh, our body's immune system reacting to a foreign body within it. So, you know, when you have a normal flu or, you know, any other illness, uh, the, the, the mucus that you build up and the um, cough that you develop, that's, that's caused from your, your immune system's response to the virus, not necessarily the virus itself. Um, I think a lot of people have a little bit of misconception there. So what I wanted to look at was what's, what's going to be an absolute to make sure that people don't die during this pandemic. So we, using ECMO as a baseline, we started looking at these other machines and what's available within that criteria mentioned. And we discovered that uh, compared to ECMO, which is basically a pump, uh, a blood pump, a console, and an oxygenator, which is about a little four-inch box, um, we, we looked at that and we said, shoot, that, uh, that greatly resembles a hemodialysis machine, which is, there's hundreds of thousands of these machines, even possibly millions in the United States uh, for kidney dialysis. And these are available at not only hospitals, but clinics. And there's many of them that are still highly functioning machines that are just in warehouses, not being used at all. So we started to uh, look at the basic fundamentals of ECMO and say, what parts do we need to transfer over a retrofit onto a hemodialysis machine? It was important to me to uh, make sure this was easy for the hospitals or whoever's rolling this out to to retrofit this machine. So we got this down to down to about a five to 15 minute retrofit with uh, you know, a couple of small components, the oxygenator and a couple of valves uh, that we can retrofit this onto a hemodialysis machine, causing that hemodialysis machine to now be a direct blood oxygenator. What that does is, um, it oxygenates the blood directly. Uh, they use these machines during lung transplants and other major operations. So as you can imagine, you know, your body still needs that oxygen, still needs that, uh, 
CO2 exited out of your bloodstream so you don't build up that toxicity. So this, uh, this machine is well known and proven to replace the lungs mechanically. So I believe by doing that, that you would, in the more severe patients, you would uh, overcome the challenges associated with coronavirus. Uh, that in conjunction with some pharmaceuticals to decrease inflammation. Uh, one of our early suggestions uh, to some of the doctors we've uh, consulted with and talked to was to utilize immunosuppressants to uh, to decrease the immune system's response a little bit, mild, a mild amount, mild uh, prescription for that. And what we believed based on our research was that would decrease the immune system's response enough that your body would, you know, have the oxygen support from our, ec our ECHO or ECMO and also in, in conjunction with those pharmaceuticals would decrease the immune system's response to where the patient would be able to survive this illness. Um, you know, it's, it's not going to be a comfortable process no matter what you do, but it definitely, definitely beats the alternative. Um, we designed it specifically to be able to roll it out to millions in an instant if need be. And have you, uh, I know you have some doctors that are working on your team, but have you presented this to any doctors outside of, uh, your team, uh, and in the field and I, actually any of the, the people that have Pence's, uh, he's the one who's heading up this whole deal, right? Yeah. The, uh, ta the task force. Yeah. yeah. Task force. So you... we start, we started off with, uh, kind of, as kind of some extreme fast engineering to put this together, um, Back in March, early March, you know, when there was uh, less than a couple of thousand deaths uh, worldwide to this pandemic. And we looked at that and we said, OK, you know, we need to get this to the White House. The reason we needed to get it to the task force there at the White House is because this is a class two, uh, class two machine. So, uh, you know, according to the FDA, we'd normally have to go through a pretty lengthy process, even though we're taking two FDA approved machines and putting them together as a force multiplier, they still want to look at that and make sure that uh, all, all of our I's are dotted and T's are crossed. And I would definitely want them to do that. So the only way to do this during a pandemic would have been to reach out to the White House and get an executive order and uh, possibly a mandate pressing this forward through the FDA process, expediting it, if you will. And we, we, this is acceptable uh, chain of action. We've seen this with a couple of the ventilator models that they've retrofitted and all that. So we, we followed suit. We, uh, we were able to get an introduction to, um, an introduction to Ben Carson. Uh, we talked to him through a third party and, um, <clears throat> you know, we, we kind of got brushed off a little bit in the beginning, um, for a first reaction, which I, I can understand, you know, I mean, he's probably inundated with a thousand phone calls a day and he doesn't have time to field every single one of them. So we got a little bit of a, uh, a good job, keep at it, uh, talk to you soon kind of reaction. Uh, it's a little bit disappointing because, you know, looking back now, we're, you know, 125,000 deaths that I believe could have been avoided. So we, uh, we kind of licked our wounds from that. We went back and we started reaching out to uh, respiratory perfusionists and therapists and uh, various other specialty doctors that are involved directly with blood oxygenation therapy such as ECMO and we uh, we found a couple of doctors uh, down south there one in New Mexico and one in uh, Texas both of them very well known in their industry very well known for blood oxygenation therapy they these guys could tell you 
you know, every book ever written about ECMO and blood oxygenation therapy. Um, reached out to them uh, to, to ask their opinion. And our goal was to get their endorsement uh, on this technology, get them to write a white paper on it of, of their own opinion and help us through, you know, expedited clinical trials. Um, first conversation, they saw exactly what I was trying to do. They seemed very, uh, uh, should I say, jaw dropped at the idea. It, it made a lot of sense to them. So, you know, we continued that conversation. We talked about flow rates uh, of the hemodialysis machine versus the ECMO machine. Um, we talked about any clotting issues. We talked about what type, all the way down to what type of tubing to use and the similarities between hemodialysis and ECMO. Um, they're working, uh, they've, they became part of our team and they are working closely with us. Our intent with them is to actually simplify the process even further over the next couple of weeks. Uh, as an example, ECMO is normally hooked up in what they call a VV or VA uh, orientation, uh, veno, veno venous or veno arterial. And basically that means it's either hooking both lines in and out, it's hooking into a vein and a vein or a vein and an artery. Um, what I would like to do to even simplify that further to make it easier on the manpower needed is to simplify that down to hooking it into an artery in the arm and a vein in the other arm. Uh, this will make it a lot easier to the point where a, an, an EMT could hook it up if you if you wanted. Um, right now, a you know a seasoned RN or an emergency room doctor would be more than comfortable to do VV or VA. So we're go ahead, we're moving forward with launching it in that. In that way, uh, further further to prove the uh, prove the technology and the obvious nature of it, <clears throat> we've reached out to a firm in Seattle, Washington, um, that specializes in medical devices. Uh, we talked to their uh, their CEO, Rich. He's a uh, great guy. Um, had a good multi-hour conversation with him, explaining the technology. Sent him over some documentation. Um, he looked this over and he says uh, he said this is an extremely simple solution. So what do you need me for? He said, you know, it's, you know, and I said, well, you know, you guys are a third party engineering firm. I'd like you to prepare the FDA filings, even though we know that will get held up and we'll at least have that filing number. We'll have that uh, package ready as the FDA would normally require. We'll get held up because the FDA is working on, you know, testing and ventilators right now. And they've pretty much put an all stop to class two equipment and others. So with their with their write up that uh, we expect in the next couple of weeks, along with these uh, these couple of doctors, we're going to be reapproaching the White House and uh, hopefully getting an executive order for pushing this through the FDA and a mandate to require um, require or recommend practitioners to lower the standard in which they hook a patient up to ECHO versus the standard that they would normally use with with ECMO. The reason for that is because ECMO is so uh, such a rare machine. It's a very expensive machine. It's a very rare machine. It's you know they they wait they use that as such a last line of defense. I mean the patient has to be in really bad shape, and that machine has to be available for them to even consider it. So with this with this multiplier, what we're hoping to accomplish is for this mandate to to dictate. Let's hook them up sooner. Let's hook them up before they start experiencing renal failure, heart failure. And uh, if you want, I'd like to go into that a little bit of, of what, you know, why are the, 
why is the older population and why is people with underlying conditions more susceptible to damage here? And basically, when when you deprive you know any part of your body of oxygen and you inc- allow your body to increase that toxicity of of the CO2 by not exiting it properly through your three lungs, that causes an extreme amount of stress. Our older population, they're more susceptible to to uh, damage caused from that stress than a younger, healthier patient. Uh, people with underlying conditions, people with previous heart conditions or kidney problems, they're going to be more susceptible. So when you start choking that off uh, of oxygen, that causes damage. You you add to that equation and you start adding inflammation uh, caused by the irritation of the virus. And, you know, you have a little bit of a perfect storm. That's why these patients are, are dying. And uh, we believe we could change that. We believe we can uh, turn that around and at least have a therapy uh, this isn't a cure-all, this isn't a vaccine, but it's a therapy that would allow us in large numbers to put an all-stop to the death toll with coronavirus. So if you were approved for this, how long do you think it would uh, take from uh, to get it out to where it's actually starting to help people? Would it be the first, would you be able to catch the first wave that we're in now, or would it be something that's going to end up in the second wave? Definitely a great question. So um, both, you know, I think that we would die. I think the smartest rollout for us as a civilian company, if we did not have the cooperation of the federal government beyond, um, you know, beyond uh, authorizing us to do it, um, if they did not cooperate on the rollout, what we would do is most likely reach out to companies like DaVita that uh, manages and owns many of the uh, a large a large market share of the kidney dialysis machines they've already got the um you know they've already got the manpower they've already got the maintenance personnel that are more than more than capable of uh, you know following a, a one one page instruction sheet on how to retrofit these machines if we did have the cooperation of the federal government in full um i think this could be rolled out inside of two weeks comfortably you know and that would be using the Army Corps of Engineers and and other civilian contractors to be able to roll this out. The um, the design is specifically built to fall within this first wave of the of the pandemic. And uh, you know, unfortunately, politicians are extremely busy right now. And uh, getting a hold of them and getting a callback um, and getting them to understand where where this therapy lands and why it's so important has been very challenging. So moving forward to our second wave, you know, hopefully we get this out in the next couple of weeks and we're ready. We're ready to do so on our side. Going into the second wave, this would be this would be vital. Um, We would be able to crush this uh, second wave. Uh, Hundreds of thousands of projected families would not be impacted by a death of a loved one. And moving forward, even beyond this pandemic, we already lose, you know, a couple of hundred thousand people a year worldwide. You know, two to three hundred thousand people worldwide is what I've been reading from the common flu and from other pneumonias and res- other respiratory distresses. This is a therapy that can be readily available to hospitals that didn't have the more sophisticated ICUs in this in this ECMO machine. Uh, by having ECHO available, we could see a, a, a ginormous drop in in uh, those those deaths every year that we experience every single year moving forward in our life so you know the sooner the better you know it's uh, I, I every day i get up i you know i look at this uh 
look at this number of this climbing death toll. And, you know, of course, you hear a lot of people comparing it to other other uh, causes of death and all that. That doesn't matter to the, you know, 130,000 people that have lost lost a family member. Um, you know, it doesn't matter if more people died elsewhere. It, you know, what matters is, is people, those that we love and those that we want to protect. And uh, that's why we designed this. Yeah, I mean, it's about prevention at the end of the day, right? I mean, we got a problem. Let's let's see what we can do to prevent it and uh, go forward Absolutely. in the in the in the fastest means possible. I mean, we're we're in our uncharted territory here, anyways. So we got caught very unprepared. Yeah. So there's quite a few different dialysis machines. Would this work with all of them? Uh, most of most of them. So what we're focusing on is HD machines, uh, you know, hemodialysis machines. Um, this is what this is the type of machine that you would see in a hospital hospital or clinic where somebody is going in uh, for a couple to few hour treatment um, with hemodialysis. And there's other hemodialysis machines that are smaller and they're longer. You know, the patient will basically plug themselves in overnight. Those machines aren't as much applicable here, but uh, the HD machines is what we're focused on primarily. And of which there are dozens of different models and, you know, age brackets of these machines and different features, different software. So that's one of the things that this uh, engineering firm up in Seattle is going to assist us on is one, doing a full analysis of, and we have a pretty comprehensive list already, a full analysis of each of these machines available and any minute differences uh, between them that might alter the standard operating procedure for our retrofit and for use. Uh, most of them are, most of them are so similar in nature that it's, uh, it shouldn't require, wouldn't require uh, it to be written down the differences of, but uh, just to, just to cover, cover any questions that might come up from the practitioners using it. We want to make sure they have that option digitally available to them to where they can punch in the uh, model number of what machine they're using, the model number of what, uh, type of oxygenator they're using because there's you know over a dozen different types of oxygenators, um, so they'll be able to punch in those co- that combination and have a uh, well crafted step by step by SOP for that. So you, we're looking at about <clears throat> about 85 different combinations I project, um, and that'll all be you know basically available uh, for download you know in a PDF form or you know possibly even an app down the road. Yeah, that's great. Um, so, do you has anybody actually tried this uh, on a on a live patient, or is this just theory right now? So, so it's important to look at the mechanical aspect of this um, when when underst- understanding the following answer: Have we tried Echo as a joined machine to join two machines together uh, for this purpose? No, we have not. We can't legally do it until uh, until we have an executive order to do so, um, but. I do want to be very clear. The oxygenator is the key technology here. That's directly off of ECMO. That's well-grounded with 50 years of technology behind it. We know everything there is to know about blood oxygenation at that level. So that's the part. That's the replaceable part that you use one per one patient. So it's a disposable part. comes in a little sealed bag, uh, that sterile bag. That's the part that's so important here. And the other parts that we're replacing by using a hemodialysis machine is simply an electric pump, a roller pump, and a console with some monitoring equipment, such as 
you know, blood pressure monitoring, such as uh, air gas, you know, or blood gas monitoring, such as an air trap, you know, these these various uh, normal, well-accepted, you know, pieces of testing equipment. And there were so many similarities between ECHO and ECMO um, that that it's uh, it, it becomes an engineering obvious that it is apples to apples. ECMO has a pump, hemodialysis has a pump. Both of them are able to pump, but at similar flow rates. You know, ECMO has a console with the dashboard and software that is fairly equivalent to that on ECMO. So, uh, you know, looking at these all side by side, it is the same machine. It's simply a different brand if you were to look at it that way. Um, so, uh, you know, I'm very confident as a design engineer to say that this will work. This does work. And all of the I's are dotted and T's across when it comes to why it would work. If we were, if we were infringing on the blood oxygenation technology of that oxygenator, I would say we're not saying that until we test it. But given the fact that we're changing a pump to a pump, that's, uh, you know, to, to break it, to break it down really far, that would be like saying you can't take a, uh, an engine out of a Chevy and put it in a Ford. Well, you, you definitely can. You might have to adjust the bell housing or something like that to get it hooked up to the transmission, maybe a couple of position on motor mounts, et cetera. But we know that that Chevy, uh, Chevy motor was working just fine. And we know that that Ford chassis was working just fine. So let's put them together to have a running truck. Um, it's not, uh, you know, it's not the most preferred situation to have to retrofit something on the fly and in a hurry. But what's the alternative? Uh, we have, you know, we have our task force that's focused on ventilators for the last several weeks only to find out that they're actually hurting people. We have uh, vaccines that are unproven, untested, uh, that are getting broadcast you know, as as a possible solution here, um, I saw one expert on the news saying that this uh, anti-malaria drug had zero side effects. He emphasized that several times on CNN. Zero side effects. Um, being being former military, you know, we're we're given those drugs, we're given those malaria anti-malaria vaccines and drugs, and you know, let me tell you, there is there is side effects, and you get a a nice pile of paperwork to. Uh, to tell you what those side effects are when you get these vaccines, and it's uh, it's it's not a realistic therapy to start just uh, playing with pharmaceuticals until you hit the jackpot. Let's let's use a physical therapy that is proven and grounded in science. Uh, are we willing to are we willing to do a clinical trial? Yes, absolutely. As soon as we have authorization, and it would only take a few days to prove it. Um, one of the one of the conversations I've had with a couple of the doctors we've talked to is, uh, you know, if it helps, let's hook me up to it. I'm that confident in my engineering. Uh, let's, let's hook me up to it. Let's go. Great. Yeah. That was a great comparison. Uh, also with the Chevy, uh, it broke it down yeah. in, in, in layman's terms that I could understand. Cause I'm just a, an, a regular average everyday guy that doesn't know much about anything except himself. <laughs> uh, let's see, we got, uh, so I mean, this sounds great for you know the the United States, but I mean, this is a world problem. Uh, would this yeah. be a, a product that would be uh, uh, rolled out and able to help places like uh, Italy and Europe? Definitely, we talked to a couple of medical professionals in Italy that uh, 
that you know that said that they definitely have a similar envelope of tools available, machines available um, in Italy. So you know, so we're definitely prepared to roll this out worldwide. And you know, as a as a patriot, as a marine, I look at that and I say, you know, we need to go through the U.S. government. You know, I don't want to overstep our bounds uh, going abroad first. Um, that's our that's our White House's job. You know, we have this coronavirus task force for a reason. We need to get their attention. Um, that's going to be a cost. You know, obviously that's going to be an expensive endeavor uh, going forward with this. Um, we had an opportunity to get the task force attention early on. It was dismissed. Um, I mean, candidly, that's the only doctor we've talked to, Dr. Ben Carson, that has been uh, that has been dismissive of this idea. And I've talked to over 100 doctors. You know, so. Um, you know, I, I'm assuming, like I said, to be fair, I'm assuming he's, you know, he's inundated, he's overloaded, and he probably didn't read my write-up. And that's a fair position, given the situation. So let's uh, let's double down. Let's bring, you know, several doctors endorsing this. Um, and uh, let's bring a, engineering, a third-party engineering write-up that have, has vetted my work. And let's, you know, bring a full patent write-up, which we've done. And um, let, let's... Uh, Let's redemonstrate it to them. If that doesn't work, then uh, then we're going to have to get a little more creative to get this out there. Um, you know, which we're already we're already working on that backup plan. But the sooner we get this out there, the more lives we could save, because this is a therapy that could last anywhere from you know two days to you know a couple of weeks for each patient that's in critical shape. Um, one one example I wanted to bring up to to prove the concept that blood oxygenation therapy works and that using uh, immunosuppressants in small doses works for uh, survival of this. Of this, There's a doctor here in Seattle uh, not too long ago, work at uh, Evergreen uh, Health there. Um, he got infected by one, of, uh, most likely by one of his patients and he got infected early on. And they intubated him. They put him on a ventilator. That wasn't working. He remembers the last, he's, he's, the news said, anyway, the article I read said that he remembers telling his wife where their, where his life insurance paperwork, uh, paperwork was. He knew he was, he knew he was gone. He knew as soon as uh, they started, they were getting ready to intubate him that he was, uh, he wasn't coming back from this. The doctors that die, that were working on him went the extra mile. Um, amazing people. They went the extra mile and they said we need to we need to get them on to, onto ECMO. And I uh, one of the doctors had an idea, from what I understand, I had an idea to put them on immunosuppressants to decrease his body's reaction to the virus. The guys at home right now recovering, you know, alive and well. So that you know, that that substantiates what I've been saying from the beginning. Um, there's there's many patients that have been put on ECMO, um, not nearly enough, but many enough to show that uh, direct blood oxygenation therapy works. And the few people that we've uh, lost that have been on ECMO, I think was a direct, I know was direct caused by having to wait too long to put them on ECMO. And that's a reasonable position for the care facilities to be in because they don't have it readily available. This will make it available. Right, right. Okay. Uh, well, thank you for your service um, as a, a former uh, military. It's my pleasure. Um, Jake, you're not a doctor, right? No. I'm an inventor. We've had several several successful uh, inventions that have came out onto the marketplace, and 
I just uh, like to look at things and say, how can we simplify it? How can we make it better? Um, I have a growing patent portfolio in various industries. Where did you get the idea, though, that you could come up with a new and effective way to save patients suffering with COVID? We were working with a uh, few doctors on another uh, semi-related medical device uh, that we're going to be uh, we're going to be putting out onto the market uh, next year. And dur- it was during one of those meetings that I, uh, one of the doctors had mentioned, "Hey, when you know, if we could launch that product now, it could help with uh, the coronavirus." And one of the features of that other product is direct blood oxygenation. So, you know, since we're not ready to launch that uh, primary product, we we went back and went back to the drawing board and said, "What can we retrofit now?" So it's you know it's a it's a need, and you know I like to look at macro problems and and propose solutions for them. Um, it's a uh, it's an obvious need. We're we've got a major economic crisis going on right now because of the lockdowns and the lockdowns are caused because social distancing is is getting taken to the is having to get taken to the max because we don't know how to get a handle on this so i believe by introducing a proper solution a viable solution not only will you save an un, un, unknown amount of lives but you you would also be able to turn the economy around pretty quick as soon as you take death off the table, this crisis changes its its tune pretty quick. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. Well, I'm not working, and and I, you know, my life has pretty much been put on hold, uh, all aspects of yeah. it. So, you know, I, I like I said, we're in uncharted territory, and 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 you know, there's a lot of uh, unrest right now uh, in in the general population because you know we just nobody knows what's next. You know, where do we go from here? What what's there's a lot of uncertainty happening. Co- so. In combination, there's a lot of misinformation going around, you know, so that that adds to the fear that adds to the situation and uh, getting a handle on that is it's it could be a very dangerous thing for our economy, for our our country as a whole and for the individual family. You know, one of one of our concerns here at Evolving Medical Solutions is that you keep this lockdown, you know, going too long, um, you you're going to see massive layoffs, which we're already starting to see. And with that, you're going to see massive depression and other things, which leads to large number of suicides historically. So the coronavirus directly, somebody doesn't have to be infected with the coronavirus to be affected by the coronavirus. We're all affected by the coronavirus right now. And some of us are going to, uh, you know, hit, hit such a low point in depression where we think that all is lost and give up. And, you know, that's a very, uh, heartbreaking thing to think about that that people that die could lose that much hope. So you know what we're hoping to do with Echo is to produce this as a a therapy that stops stops the death toll from the actual virus and gives hope back to the economy. Let's turn this economy back around. Our president, in my opinion, has done a fantastic job with uh, building the economy up, and I think he can do it again. So you know that's I. Uh, it's exciting that uh, that we have a lot of innovators out there that are looking at PPE solutions and and other things. And uh, you know, us here at EMS, much much like many other people, are you know working around the clock to do so. You know, I've uh, spent spent many nights, pretty much every night since uh, this pandemic, uh, 
you know, when I do need to get a little sleep, it's uh, on the couch at my office. Um, you know, so the, the intent is to kick this out as soon as possible. And I'm hoping that uh, we get that attention within the next couple of weeks uh, at the latest so we can roll this out and be there in time to slow this uh, primary primary hump and put a stop to the secondary hump that's inevitable. Yeah, we definitely need something that's going to uh, help curb this thing. Uh, your website has some really good graphics and detailed explanations about how this is going to work. Uh, what's to stop anyone from just taking your idea and, and doing it themselves? Well, for, for starters, we did, you know, we did go ahead and file a, uh, file a set of patents on this. So it is patent pending. Um, the, the second thing I want to say, and the more important thing I want to say is that, uh, when it comes to patent ownership, I'm very willing to cooperate. However, our government's, you know, sees, sees realistic and necessary for those patent rights. So this was designed to be a solution, not a, not a piece of paper in a box. Um, third, I'd like to say that I hope somebody steals it. If they do, you know, if, if somebody were to knock this off, then guess what? People's lives are going to get saved. So, you know, of course, as a patent holder from a business aspect, I hope that there's, you know, room for this patent to maintain with my company and that people have good integrity. But when I look at the worst case scenario from a business perspective only, that there is a realistic possibility this uh, technology could get knocked off um, that might eventually end up in court. I look at it and I say, well, if that saves hundreds of thousands of lives, that's a pretty good worst case scenario in my book. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, so, I, I, I would agree with you there. Uh, so you're on my podcast today because you need help. Uh, am I right to assume that? Yes. So how, how can my, my listeners or, you know, help you and, and get your message out there? So our, our primary agenda is exposure. I think that, uh, you know, as we get a little bit more exposure, um, you know, possibly our senators or congressmen would, uh, would, would get word of this, um, possibly at the federal level, uh, with our, uh, with our coronavirus task force there might get, uh, get wind of this and take a second look at it quicker. Uh, but also, you know, it's an expensive process of developing something this, this quick, um, and putting this many hours into it. We could use a, um, we could use a couple other engineers. We could use, uh, several other MDs to, um, you know, look this over in every which way possible to double check, triple check our work and, and get this, uh, get this out there. So, you know, we did, we did open a Indiegogo campaign that's available on our website. Um, you know, we're hoping that uh, people will share that for the exposure, and if they can, donate a couple of bucks, and um, if if for nothing else, you know, share it, share it on their social media page. It would help us out a lot, and I believe that, you know, that that uh, could be key in launching this out there sooner. That's great, man. Everybody is really pulling together right now uh, across the board, you know, from, you know, people that I've been talking to and interviewing the last couple of days from, you know, uh, coaches and, and, uh, and, and personal development people, but also, um, yeah. you know, the, the people that are sitting at home making masks and helping with the PPE uh, issue that we're having and, uh, and, and just everybody's trying to do their part right now. And, uh, you're obviously doing the same and, and I would like to commend you for, for trying to, uh, do your part in helping humanity. We're definitely, definitely trying for it. And I'm hoping that, uh, hoping we get it out there soon. 
it could uh, could save a lot of lives. So is there anything uh, that we didn't cover that you would like to get out there? Yeah, if I could, uh, if I could announce my uh, web address for people to uh, check us out on. Uh, it's uh, evolvingmedicalsolutions.org, O-R-G, and that's evolvingmedicalsolutions.org. And then you're, you're also going to have a spot to, uh, like in my show notes, where all of this information, uh, any of your uh, links uh, to like the uh, Facebook one that I'm looking at right now, and I'm actually I'm on the, I think I'm on your evolvingmedicalsolutions.org uh, link that you've given me. Uh, so all of that will go yeah. into the show notes as well as anything else that you may feel pertinent or need to do. Maybe your Indiegogo uh, link as well uh, for your crowdfunding Fantastic. campaign. I'd appreciate that very yeah. much. Yeah. Yeah. Not a problem. Yeah. I just, I just want to thank you for, uh, for, you know, stopping by and, and, uh, you know, making your time. I available. appreciate you having us on the show. Yeah, not not a problem, man. Uh, just trying to do what I can to to help this situation as well. And uh, you know, you reached out to me. It was kind of on a fluke how 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 we crossed paths, but <laughs> yeah. So I just re- reach out and see see who uh, who answers the phone, and you were definitely there for us. So I appreciate that. Yeah, not a problem. Everything will be available in the show notes for uh, Jake and his uh, his invention, uh, the Echo. And the oxygenation, the blood oxygenation, a component of a machine that yeah. helps facilitate that. I just want to thank you for, for taking the time today. Yeah. And it, be in touch. I'll let you know, uh, hang out after this and, uh, we can talk a little bit more about the strategy, uh, of, of putting this out. Sean, it's been a pleasure. I appreciate you. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the show. And thanks to Jake for stopping by and sharing a little about Echo and his mission to get it into the hands of medical facilities and doctors in the hopes of saving more lives in the fight against the COVID-19 virus. You can find links to where you can find out more information about Echo and Evolving Medical Solutions in the show notes. If you've been wondering about what you can do to help with the effort in trying to fight COVID-19, here's your chance. You can share this episode on your social media channels. You can share the links in the show notes as well. Thanks again to Jake, and good luck with the process in getting this rolled out and helping the country start recovering from this pandemic. As always, keep it 100, stay true to yourself, everything else is just noise.